Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Magnify that name together right now, Lord. I love you today. God, I'm so thankful to be in your presence and in your house. I'm eternally thankful, God, to be filled with your spirit. You did not have to save me. You did not have to reach for me. But I'm so thankful that you did, God. I'm so thankful that you did. In the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. I don't ever want to forget how blessed I am and how blessed you are to feel the tug of the Lord in our heart. No matter when you responded to that call, you may have responded years and years ago. You may have only just responded a little while back, but aren't you thankful that you responded? Oh, my, 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 my. Thank you, Jesus. Mm, mm, mm. My, my, my. There is a very, very, very sweet spirit of the Lord here tonight. And I want to be very careful because I want to just step into the flow of what the Lord is doing right now. And so I want to, I want to be very intentional this evening. And I believe that the Spirit of the Lord can and will touch us in this place tonight. Amen. There's nothing like warming our hands and our hearts over the embers of God's wonderful truth. Amen. And and I think that something especially significant happens when we're intentional about what we're doing I know that we would be blessed if we just came and fellowshiped and shared a few laughs and talked about our days past and our days present and maybe our plans for the rest of the week. We would be blessed and encouraged by just being in the company of one another. But I believe that God will honor us for being intentional in our efforts. Amen. And so I want to do just that. I I really do. We've got some announcements. I'm going to do that at the end of the service. If somebody will help me remember that, that's important. But I just want us to step into this tonight. The book of James chapter 3. And uh, when I started this uh, study, I made mention of the fact that to, to some degree, James, the book of James is kind of like the book of Proverbs. Um, there's some standalone subjects there. And... Uh, I hope that you've received something from this, and uh, I pray that the Lord will help us receive even more as we journey on. The book of James, tonight we're going to be, um, I'm going to break this down, this particular subject down into into two sessions and not try to um, do all of this tonight. 
but for our uh, overall session of this, we would be considering the first 12 verses of James chapter 3, but for this evening, I just want to, I think, talk perhaps about the first four verses, and then um, pray that the Lord will help us to just receive this, digest this, and then um, maybe if the Lord will, Sunday morning, we'll pick up from this and uh, move on. The book of James 3 and 1, the Bible says, My brethren, be not many masters knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able to bridle the whole body. In a few moments we'll pick up and read verses 3 and 4 and move forward, but I, I do want to just pause here for now. Amen. Lord, I thank you for your word and I thank you for the privilege to be here tonight. And I ask you to just help me. I cannot do this without you. So I'm asking you, Lord, to stand with me, anoint my mind and my heart and my lips, Lord. And I pray that everyone in this building would just have a spirit, God, in their life and their heart of receiving. And let's receive it, not just hear it with our ear, but hear it with our heart. And let this imprint upon our spirit and our souls tonight. In the name of the Lord we pray. Amen. And you may be seated in the fear of the Lord. I want to, my subject this evening, um, it's a huge uh, undertaking. You ready? I want to talk about taming the tongue. And uh, I felt that <laughs> cast a pretty big shadow. The power of speech is probably one of the greatest influences that God has ever given man. Amen. The ability to do what I'm doing right now, the power of speech. Because with the tongue, mankind is afforded the privilege to do many things. We can do what we have already done in the last um, 29 minutes. And that is we have prayed and we have praised, we have worshipped, we have, we have sang songs together. And now, if the Lord will help me, I'm going to preach the gospel. So we have the privilege to do many things. The other side of that coin, of course, is that not all of the things that we can accomplish with the power of the tongue are positive. We can use the tongue to spread lies, gossip, and rumors. And in the course of that, in the course of just one small statement, a person's reputation can be ruined. Uh, or at least scarred. Tremendous hurt can be inflicted. The power of the tongue to lift up, to tear down so quickly, so, so quickly. It just happens. Solomon 
said in the book of Proverbs 8 and 21 that both death and life were in the power of the tongue. And so the, the ability to, to speak uh, words is the ability to actually influence. And, and through influence, many things can be accomplished. And uh, I, I, I will just maybe go back to an archaic example of this in Scripture, which would be uh, when they were building the Tower of Babel. Someone had to start talking about that, right? Would that be a fair statement? Somebody had to, somebody long before it ever hit the place of what we would call blueprints, somewhere in a casual, perhaps even conversation, this idea was born. And in the course of just talking about it, in the course of just of that dialogue, whatever that may or may not have been, from the end result of just talking about it, influence was imparted into the heart of people and began to influence others with that idea. And somebody says, you know, I think we can do this. And, and after a while, and, and the scripture, it's always been startling to me to read this passage of scripture because the Bible leaves no question that had God not intercepted this, they would have accomplished it. They would, they would have accomplished that. Every time I read that passage of Scripture, and, and most often that is when we're doing our Bible reading for the, for the year, I come to that passage of Scripture and I just think about it. I, I pause that, that the Lord says that, that had it not been for His hand to distract them, they would have accomplished that. And I don't want to ch- chase a, a rabbit here tonight with that, but... I just think about that with our ability to speak also with that connected to that is the ability to influence. And influence is a very serious thing, a very serious thing. Some of the things that are going on in our nation, some of the upheaval in our nation are the end result of somebody's ability to speak and consequently influence. And so you can influence in a positive way, influence in a negative way, and um, but there there are some great things or uh, huge things that can be accomplished, and it's all in that ability to speak. And so it, it's ability that it's it is an ability that I'm afraid that we all too often take for granted, and uh, so we have to be very very careful. So here is the here is the truth of the matter is that the tongue, our tongue, each and every one of us, our tongue is, is us in a very unique way. Amen? So I'll just say my tongue is me in a unique way. Your tongue is you in a unique way because the tongue is a revealer. It, it is a revealer. And it tells the tongue, you, you have to be careful because your tongue will tell on your heart. <laughs> yes, it will. And when your tongue tells on your heart, the end result is, is that it reveals the real person. Because your tongue don't know to conceal. It don't know to be quiet. 
It don't know where to draw the line. The tongue just speaks and it reveals the hidden man of the heart. And so the tongue is a revealer of the real person. You don't have to talk to somebody very long to at least get a snapshot of their life. You, you, can, you may not know the whole of everything, but you can get a pretty good uh, summary on someone's life in just a little bit of conversation. But the, the, the misuse of the tongue is perhaps the easiest way to sin, one of the easiest ways. I would venture to say tonight that everybody, and, and I don't like to use big, big, broad statements like that, but I, I would think that everybody has been guilty of sinning with our tongue. Just saying something out of season, saying something perhaps we had no business saying, or something just pops out. Have you ever been surprised by what you said? Absolutely. Just totally shocked. And I know some of you are thinking about cussing right now, and that's not what I'm talking about, but... (laughs) But uh, I would be, you may be shocked about that and probably should be, but I guess now that I bring it up, but uh, just, <laughs> I was kind of going down another route and I just, uh, I just felt the spirit of cussing. I don't know why. <laughs> I didn't feel too cuss. I just felt it. But, uh, but you just say things and you just, it's like, where did that come from? I mean, you didn't even, you, it maybe wasn't a conscious thought, but it was just there and, and now it's out and it's on the table. And there it is. It's such an easy way to sin. And so that's why we got to be so careful. So careful. I hear people say things and it just scares scares me to no end. I've heard people say, I just say what's on my mind. You know, wow. Really? I mean, I for one don't want to be subjected to all that. And we don't need to just speak what's on our mind. Because as liberating as you think that may be for the moment, it can destroy someone's life for, in some respects, to some degree, I guess. And so there are some, some things, some sins, let me be more specific, that maybe an, an individual could not or would not be able to commit because they just don't have the opportunity. And, and I want to just try to make a point. But there is no limit to what a person can say. So we may not do certain things just because we never even had the opportunity to do that. Just never even came in the path of life. But there are no built-in restraints or no built-in boundaries to what we can say. And so it is very, very important that we think, as James says, slow to hear or quick to hear rather, and slow to speak. That we can analyze, think about something uh, before you know, we kind of weigh in on that particular subject or whatever it may be. David, David said this, it's, I'm just going to read the scripture in Psalms 41.7. David said, all that hate me whisper against me. The, the word whisper is used a few times in, in Scripture along this line. And uh, whisper, you know, when somebody, there's just a kind of a human, I think it's human nature for at least most people, that when somebody starts whispering something, it makes the other person lean in because there's an air of importance about all this. Right? You think you're fixing to get, you know, something important fixing to be shared with you, and maybe it is. And to a little degree, we kind of feel important because... 
Somebody's fixing to tell us something important. But here's something we should never fail to remember, and I'm not trying to give birth to suspicion here, but I just think it's something we ought to think about, is that when people talk to you about others, <laughs> you, you need to put a little dot, dot, dot at the end of that and re- realize that Lift yourself out of that conversation and realize that this same person is more than likely going to talk to others about me. Now, I'm talking about maliciously talking about people. I, you know, I've, in the course of just this day, I've had to talk to others about others. I've been called on to do that today. Talk to others about others, but it wasn't in a sinister spirit to destroy and and to take away and things of that nature. And so David said, all that hate me whisper against me. Solomon said along that line in the 16th proverb and 28th verse, a whisperer separateth chief friends. Amen, a whisperer, just kind of planting seeds of doubt and confusion and and you know those little did you knows and th- things of that nature. And so we have to be very careful that we don't fall prey to that. Either become that whisperer or support that whisperer. Amen. And so um, you know it's it's human nature. And so I, I want to say again that this is probably one of the easiest ways to sin. And so I don't I'm not at all issuing black robes tonight and making anybody the judge or the jury. But we just have to be careful to understand that all of us have slipped on this banana peel and we can slip again. And so we have to be very, very careful because this tongue is an unruly member. That's what James, he just called it for what it was. And so in the scripture, all throughout scripture, the tongue is referred to many, many uh, different things described in a variety of ways. It is, I'm just going to give a few. This is not an exhaustive list, but the scripture describes the tongue as wicked, deceitful, perverse, filthy, corrupt, flattering, slanderous, gossiping, blasphemous, foolish, boasting, complaining, cursing, contentious, sexual, sensual, vile. And so all of those things we can find, we can find in the tongue. And so we have to be very, very careful that we don't allow the enemy to use that member to destroy, to distract, to take away. Amen, the tongue is of great concern to James. As a matter of fact, James mentions the tongue in every chapter of his letter. He mentions it to some degree. I read something interesting several years ago and then I came across it again just recently and I'm just going to be honest with you. I have not tried to research this out to see if um, how factual it is, but I have read it more than one time, more than one place. But scientists maintain that once a sound wave is set in motion, that it continues on a never-ending journey. It just goes on and on and on and on, and I'm not trying to overtax your thought process with that, but it just continues on this never-ending journey. Additionally, they contend that if we had the sophisticated instrumentation that every wave could be captured and then reproduced at any time. Now, if that is true, that's a little bit frightening, isn't it? To think that every word that we have ever said, let's just leave the other guy alone, let's just talk about you, and think that every word that you've ever said 
is out there somewhere still bouncing around. And that if we had the sophisticated instrumentation to be able to capture that, that it's, that it's just still there. And we could play that back again. Are you, are you getting as uncomfortable as I am? <laughs> so we think about that and we think, oh my Lord, what in the world? What in the world? And so we get a little bit uneasy about that. But while we're getting uneasy about thinking that everything we've ever said that possibly could be captured and played back, whether or not that's true, let's just leave that alone. Here's what we do know is true. In Matthew chapter 12 and verse 36, the scripture says, But I say unto you, Jesus, I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. So whether or not whatever we've said is still out there bouncing around the universe, and if somewheres one day somebody's able to capture that, that they could replay that. Let's just set that aside. And let's just realize that the Lord said every idle word, that we're going to give an account for that in judgment. So we kind of bend our mind to think about how in the world that would play out. His ways are not our ways and thoughts are not our thoughts. But we also know that Malachi 3.16 tells us that every word we've ever spoken about the Lord, that he has a record of that. <laughs> Amen. So the Lord is listening. So we think now, uh, kind of easing our mind, that, that maybe no one will ever be able to invent a machine that could go back and recapture what we said 34 years ago. But the Lord has a record of that. And so that's what ought to concern us more about what the Lord knows we said then what somebody else may find out we said, he already knows. So in order uh, to impress on us the importance of how it is to control our speech and the great consequences of our words, James gives us six word pictures of the tongue and those six word pictures are found within the first 12 verses. And as, as I said, we're not gonna talk about all of those, all six of those tonight. But he uses in these 12 verses he uses the bit in a horse's mouth, the rudder of a ship. He uses fire, a poisonous animal, a fountain, and a fig tree. And so if, if, if you could take these six pictures, you could put them into three, perhaps, classifications. And when you do, each of them reveals three powers of the tongue. And uh, I won't get to all three of those tonight, but we'll get as far as we can. And so the first thing we're going to do is consider the first two verses that I read tonight and then we'll read down to three and four because the first two verses uh, are sort of individual. We're going to consider them individually and separately and I want to do that because these two verses that begin chapter three, they contribute to the entire conversation and so I want to take just a few moments to talk about that and let's look back now at James chapter three and verse number one. He says, my brethren, be not many masters knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. The word, the word masters here in the King James uh, version translated from the Greek is, is a word that means teachers, teachers. 
And so in another translation, I use another translation of scripture sometimes just in study and, and uh, just for reference sake, I'm careful in what I use in that regard. But uh, I, in the, in the uh, English Standard Version, it says that this perhaps makes the point a little more clear, and so that's why I'm using it tonight. It says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with a greater strictness. And so James is kind of hitting head on the power of speech because the power of speech gives us the power of influence. And he says because of this great responsibility of a teacher, those who teach are going to be judged with a greater strictness. So James is kind of grabbing us by the collar and saying, wait a minute, before you just say, I want to do that, I want to do that, I want to do that, understand something. There's some grave responsibility that comes along with the influence that you're about to have. And so uh, this, just say whatever's on my mind. This, just discharge whatever crosses the path of my thoughts We have to be very careful. And so he says, be not many teachers. And so he's saying, not many of you should become teachers because you need to understand there is a very serious requirement that's gonna come on the heels of this. Now, I don't wanna be, um, I don't don't wanna take too much time or take this too far, but if I could illustrate something here tonight, I think all of us have perhaps, uh, at least I think most of us have personal space. Or what we consider personal space. I mean, you know, if, if it's just some stranger walks up and they just kind of get too close to you in conversation, you know, we just kind of have a tendency to want to take a step back. And it's, you're not trying to be rude or you're not trying to be unkind or anything, but what's happening is that they're just kind of getting in your space. <laughs> and uh, I feel like everybody's kind of on board with me so far. And so you're, you're just, you're, you're trying to protect your own Space, And I think we all kind of have a tendency to want to do that. And there's nothing wrong with that. Because it's kind of ours and we protect that. And so when you are speaking to somebody, I think it's always important to understand that not only do you have personal space, but they have personal space. And so I don't have to get right up here on him to be uh, to get my point across. As a matter of fact, the closer I get to him, the more and less or the more likely he's going to be to not listen to what I'm saying because <laughs> he's wondering how much closer is this guy going to get and so he's missed the last 12 words because now he's defending his space and he's not even getting the message okay so we're I think we're all clear on that part so here's the power of speech that we have to understand that that when you the closer you get to people you are you're infringing upon their space. Now, I, I want to just say something, and I hope you understand the spirit of which I say it. When you are speaking to someone right now in this, in this very, at this moment, freeze this moment in time, I have your undivided attention for the most part. And so in speaking, especially from a spiritual and a Biblical principles. It is the heart of a person speaking to the heart of a person. And so 
for Brother Jerry, I'm this is <laughs> you don't ever change seats here. But uh, what I am doing tonight to him and to everyone in this room is, and with your permission, I am touching your soul. Right? Spirit to spirit. And if you don't think God's going to hold you accountable for touching somebody's soul, we are in sad, sad shape. And so I need to make sure that before I walk behind this desk that I have buried myself somewhere in an altar because I am just flesh. I am just clay. I'm made of the same thing that you're made of. Made of the same thing that anybody is made of. But I have a call upon my life as a teacher of the word of God, a preacher of the word of God, to touch your soul. But God is going to hold me accountable for the influence that I have on you right now. To not manipulate someone at a vulnerable time in their life. That's right. So when someone has opened their heart and their defenses are down, God is going to hold me accountable, hold all of us accountable. I'm just talking about me for the sake of illustration. God is going to hold me accountable that my motives stay pure. And that I don't incite something in your heart and in your spirit. Because just like I could talk about love tonight and things of that nature and plant seeds of love and cultivate a spirit of love, I could also talk about hate and plant hate and cultivate seeds of hate in our heart. That's the absolute truth. And so that's why James, I know I'm taking a little extra time here tonight, but that's why James is saying, be not many teachers. Because there's some accountability that's gonna come back from all of this and so we have to be very careful the importance of what we say to lift people up or to tear people down and so I think it is incredibly important that we understand the value of the gift that God has given (coughs) excuse us but also the responsibility that we bear as an end result of that gift and so that statement is of course is not uh, I think this not many of you should become teachers or be not many teachers is not a statement that uh, means those that that is a statement perhaps to those that God has called or that God has gifted uh, I don't think that God that James is trying to say you need to refrain from exercising your God-given call or ministry but I think that James's point is that We should not begin any form of teaching the word of God without a deep sense of seriousness about what's going on here. And so I think that would bear not just behind the pulpit of an adult congregation, but I think that would bear witness in any setting where we are conveying the word of God. Any setting where we would have the ability to speak and influence and certainly in the setting where we would have the opportunity to touch someone's soul. We have to be very, very careful. And so speaking for God carries with it great, great consequences. And so James appears to be concerned about people who are maybe seeking to be known for wrong motives and trying to do that. And so 
that's why he's trying to discourage them from just kind of presuming the role of a teacher and, and that, that should be pretty obvious because God is going to hold those in those positions of spiritual responsibility to a higher level of accountability than others. So it's important to note that, that James includes himself in this statement and I really appreciate that because he's not talking down to anyone because he said, for you know that we who teach, he includes himself in that we who teach, we have this responsibility. And so we see this thought also in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17. It's a long verse, but I'll just summarize it. He said, those who rule and watch for your souls, he said, they must give an account. They're going to have to give an account for that. So Jesus himself indicated that those who teach are going to be held accountable, held to a higher standard. And he also rebuked the Pharisees um, because they were quite enamored on their titles and they were quite enamored with their social status and their prestige that was, because that came to them by their association as being a teacher. And, um, you know, some of them were really kind of caught up on the titles and they wanted to be called rabbi. <laughs> And things of that nature, you know, and uh, our teacher, and uh, but then they wanted to deny the spiritual responsibility that went along. They wanted the title, but they didn't want the responsibility that came along with that. And so I think that here's what I'm trying to drive home, and that is that no one should lightly take up the word of God and assume a call upon themselves to minister the word of God. Preaching is serious business. Ministry, serious business. Amen. And so I'm going to take that really that statement a step further I think that we should not try to call ourselves to some kind of role or like uh, some responsibility like that but I also think that we need to be very careful that we don't call our children because we may place more upon them than what God has called them to do and uh, I'll take it one more step here I, I'm out here on the limb might as well I, I don't think we should either call our spouse <laughs> um, some people didn't marry a preacher but they're sure trying to they're trying to they're trying to create one and that's serious business because if we're not where God called us to be it's not going to work it is not going to work and it is going to shipwreck lives it's, it is going to hurt People And so the calling of God, I wasn't trying to be ugly with that, but I am being serious about that because that happens. Unfortunately, I don't, uh, it does happen that we try to manipulate people into those and live vicariously through someone else's life. And so uh, the, the ministry is just too serious about that. Just, you know, trying to get them to be an astronaut or something like that would be much, much safer than, than trying to, to do what God has, has not called them to do. And, um, and so it, it's a great responsibility. So James wants every reader here to be sure that they understand the weight of that calling. Friday night, uh, this past Friday night, uh, we were at the, the Baptist School Rally. And I wasn't really familiar with the man who was preaching. And so, uh, who was supposed to preach the service. So there were several ministers on the platform. And so I was trying to figure out, I wonder who of those... I wonder who are those are the speaker, and it didn't take me very long at all to figure out who was the speaker. Here's the secret. I saw those other guys up there kind of smiling and laughing and praise God. And then I saw one guy over there in the corner. I mean, he's just like the weight of the world. 
<laughs> right? Am I right? The weight of the world is just on his shoulder. And so I leaned over to Jess and I said, I was trying to figure out who the speaker is tonight, but I think I've spotted him. <laughs> it's the guy who hadn't cracked a smile since he walked in. And I'm being very serious. The weight, the responsibility of what is about to transpire. I don't think it just dawned on him at that moment. I'm not implying that at all. But you begin to realize that and the seriousness of that. And, and uh, a few, <laughs> I'm going to tell on myself if this is all right, but a few Sundays ago, I don't remember how many weeks ago, but uh, several of the ministers, um, we've done this for many years now, but we meet in my office before service and we have prayer. I'm thankful they uh, do that. They came back and they they, we have prayer before our services and the emphasis behind that many times obviously I'm preaching so they pray for me and, and if I'm not preaching we pray for whoever is preaching and so a few Sundays ago um, they didn't really know who was preaching I was up in the front office taking care of a few things and I lost track of time and so I come in my office unaware I'm completely oblivious to anything's going on and I take my jacket off and I hang it up in my, clo- in my closet and, uh, and I look up, and all these guys are looking at each other, and they're grinning. So I said, well, I said what's up? Well, obviously, there's something going. There's an elephant in the room I don't know anything about. And they said, well, we were just trying to figure out who's preaching today. But he said, we just found out who's not preaching. <laughs> you come bouncing here at 9.59, take off your jacket, hang it up, sit down like, you know, we've got all morning long. I didn't even know that it was 9.59, so... Uh, nevertheless, so I, I must, they told me by that, by default, that I must be a lot more uptight on Sunday mornings <laughs> than I was that particular Sunday morning. So the weight of the world, the weight of the world, I'm probably taking way too much time with all this, but I'm sorry. But we, we feel that. We should understand that, and we really should feel that way. We really should. It, that It should gnaw in into us, and uh, I, I'm not trying to make you suspicious, and you start trying to figure out who's preaching, but I'm telling you that you can always tell that's kind of gnawing into their heart, the weight of what uh, God, especially, you know, the Lord has really placed something heavy on your heart, and so uh, we need to be very careful that I, I want to, uh, it's a warning, perhaps, James is a warning to warn those who want to be that or want to be a teacher for the wrong reasons. And, and he's saying there's, there's way more to this than this, and you need to consider that. And so uh, we need to be very careful that we are in the will of God, following his plan, and let, let me move on. And so uh, if we're not careful, after the glory fades, <laughs> because the glory fades... And so after the glory fades, people can find themselves, if they are not truly called to do what they're trying to do, after the glory fades, sometimes, sadly, not only do they find themselves disengaged from ministry, but they find themselves disengaged from even living for God. So it's a very serious thing. So if you're called of God, then there's going to be a desire burning in our heart. Uh, even we have more than one example of Scripture Men who said, I'm just never going to do it again. I'm done. I'm, and it's like fire shut up in their bones. And so there has to be an outlet for that. Second Timothy 2 and 15, Paul said to Timothy, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Uh, and so here, uh, I, I think that a, a mature person in the Lord is not going to be someone that would speak in an offensive manner. I believe somebody that has a, a level of spiritual maturity about them and even physical maturity 
is not going to have an offensive manner. And this is what James addresses in the second verse. In chapter 3, verse 2, For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. The King James translation of this first sentence uh, tends to obscure somewhat the meaning here. And, and so I'm, I just want to, it says, for in many things we offend all. And so for just the sake of clarification, another translation of that says, for we all stumble in many ways. For we all stumble in many ways. And that's a realistic assessment of the human condition. Amen. Although we aim for sinless perfection. Amen. I pray every day, God, guide me. God, lead me. I want you to keep me, keep my heart, order my steps in your word. I pray all of these things every morning. But that's my goal is sinless perfection. But the impact of the fall in the Garden of Eden is an influence that we live with every day. We cannot escape that. Amen. So we're, we're never going to reach this level of perfection until what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, until this mortal has put on him mortality. And so this verse mentions a perfect man. The word perfect relates in this sense to maturity. It speaks about the mature man. And so the idea that I feel James is trying to convey here is this, that a person who does not stumble in what he says gives evidence of a mature heart. Somebody that can speak with clarity and then can walk with consistency. And so... The greatest test of maturity is the measure to which somebody controls their tongue. Amen. And the world, sort of, you know, the worldly philosophy of of things is who can bow up and who can poke out their chest the furthest. But the Lord is measuring maturity by who can shut up instead of speak up. Because it takes a whole lot more control <laughs> to be quiet than it does to be loud. And, and so the greatest test of maturity is the measure to which we control our tongue. So it's possible to be successful bringing every, every other area of behavior into conformity, in conformity to New Testament ethics, I mean, and still yet struggle with this tiniest member of our body, that unruly tongue. The temptation to say things that fail to glorify God, things that hurt and tear down others, that's a real struggle for many people. You know, um, a few years ago, we had, our leadership will remember for sure, we had elder brother and sister um, uh, Myers from Palm Bay here, and they each taught a session on Saturday, and then they were with us on Sunday and spoke collectively. But one of the things that I remember about uh, brother, uh, elder brother Myers saying to our leadership was this. He said, one of the things that we have emphasized through the years as a key letter of importance for the success of our church and the ministries of our church is that we all talk one another up and not down. Powerful, powerful that we, we lift each other up 
Amen. I don't think he was was even remotely alluding to being pretentious and and false and things of that nature, but to lift up in our language, to talk up in our language. And you know, there there can be uh, uh, um, the the word I'm looking for cynical. There can be cynicism. Uh, there can be there can be cynicism in literal families that kind of just kind of goes almost generationally. Just a cynical. Uh, spirit in the in parents that can get in children who are one day going to be adults and parents themselves and that spirit of cynicism and and distrust and things of that nature and I would submit to you and I'm not trying to sound anything that I'm not tonight but I have preached in way more pulpits than this and I can tell you that that spirit of cynicism can get in churches and you can become cynical about everything or anything. I mean, there's nothing that won't come on the radar and we can become cynical about that. Or I've also been in those churches, thank God, that outnumber the others that, that are lift, that, that are those that lift up. Amen. Those positive reports, those good things. That doesn't mean that everything is right. It doesn't mean that we have it all together, but to just accentuate the positive. Amen. I've said many, many times, if you want to come here and list all the things that are wrong, you're going to need a big legal pad and a sharp pencil. If that's what you want to do, you can find all the wrong. You can find it. It's everywhere. And uh, not that we're trying to conceal it, but we're working on it. It's everywhere. But if you want to find what's right, I think it's going to take equally as big a pad and a sharp pencil. But it just depends on what we're looking for. And so we've got to be very, very careful that we don't say things that not glorify the Lord or lift up others or glorify the church or things that hurt and tear down people. That's a real struggle. It's a daily struggle. It can happen so easily. We can get caught in a conversation and all of a sudden before you know it, the conversation has just drifted way too far from center. Amen, it just is there. It's an easy thing to do. So the reason the tongue is so difficult to control is because it tends to reveal the heart. And this is where I'm headed tonight. It's much easier to conform to outward things. Amen, it is really a lot easier to conform to specific codes of conduct, so to speak, than it is to conform our heart to the image of the Lord. We could do a lot of things on the outside, so to speak, to uh, that we may call conformity, and it would be a lot easier to dress up this than it is to take care of this. But we really need to take care of this because if we take care of this, this will be an end result, but it has to start in our heart. Amen. You can dress up the outside, but... Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sorry if I've used this illustration too many times, but many years ago on um, 247, there was just a dilapidated house. It was falling apart. It seemed it was just leaning and twisted, and and uh, it was about the time. Uh, this was a long time ago. So it was about the time that vinyl siding was catching on and getting pretty popular. And before you know it, we go riding by there one day, and somebody's putting vinyl siding on that house. <laughs> and. Uh, I thought, oh my Lord. My wife and I commented about this almost every time we went by there. We thought, some poor soul. Some poor soul is going to see pictures of this and a little realtor sign goes in the yard and the next week, I thought, oh my Lord, oh my Lord. But if we're not careful, this is no different. We can just put up a little bit of vinyl siding. We can just put a new coat of paint on the door and 
plant a few shrubs around and think, voila, but it's not. Those termites are still eating. The plumbing is still leaking. There's still issues that are wrong. There's still issues that are there that's gonna cause decay. And, and so I say, Lord, help me not to just try to get this right, but help me to start on this man, lay this man on the altar. Amen. And I gotta be very careful because this thing in my mouth will reveal what's in my heart. It's very, very important that our words, we can dress up this, but our words reveal the truth about who we really, really, really are. And so if there's a person that doesn't stumble in his words, James is saying it's because his heart is right. If there is consistency there, his heart is right. He is spiritually mature. They are spiritually mature. And they're going to be successful then in their ability to govern every other member of their body if we could get this right. And so in verse 1, James discouraged those would-be teachers. And now he establishes his grounds for that. Because he said, the failure to control our tongue is evidence of our lack of spiritual maturity. So we have to be very, very careful that before we say, hand me that mic, that we say, Lord, take me to an altar of consecration. Let me die and sacrifice. Amen. Amen. It's the inability to bridle the impulse to, to speak evil is evidence of, of a lack of qualification, certainly to be an influencer on others because it is very, very powerful to tear down, tear down. And, and so that leads us to the first power of the tongue. Please don't look at your clock. Uh, James 3 and 3 and 4, I'm, I'm moving at warp speed, you just can't tell it. Verse number 3 said, Behold, we put bits in horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body with just bits in their mouth. And also the ships, which though they be so great, are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Amen. A small rudder, wherever the captain says we're going, that's where the vessel's going. No matter what the wind says, no matter what the waves say, no matter what the currents are doing, Amen. James now selecting the bit and the helm or the rudder presented two items small in and of themselves, but they exercise great power like the tongue. A small bit enables the rider to guide the great horse. A small rudder enables a pilot to steer a huge ship. And so the tongue is a small member of the body, yet it has the power to establish great things. Amen. I know I've talked about the ability to tear down but I want to tell you that the tongue also possesses the ability to lift up, the ability to set people's feet on a solid rock and a foundation. The ability to speak is the ability to influence. And I'm telling you that if we have the ability to speak, then what ought to be in our mouth is the word of God to lift up, to build up, to bind up, amen, and to lift up. And when we do that, we are influencing people in the right we are influencing people down the right path, making the right decisions, doing the right things. So both the bit and the rudder have a tremendous responsibility. The bit and the rudder have got to overcome contrary forces. Both of them have to overcome contrary forces. The bit 
has got to overcome. I know we see a, a horse's bridle, the bit hanging there in the barn. We don't think much about that little piece of metal, but that metal has a lot of responsibility. That little piece of metal, once it is inserted into that horse's mouth, now is responsible for the wild nature that is in that horse. No matter how tame that horse may be, no matter how trained that horse may be, it is a wild animal, a wild beast. Some of you horse owners, some of you horse owners at least shake your head at me. It is a wild beast in nature, sort of unpredictable, amen, but in their mouth is a bit, and that bit has a responsibility to turn it this way, to turn it that way, to stop, to go, amen, to many, many things. And so that has got to overcome that wild nature of the animal. The rudder must also, it looks small and innocent and unassuming, but little did that rudder know when somebody inserted that and bolted it in place that you now are responsible to overcome the nature of winds and the currents that are going to try to drive this ship off of course. I know it sounds a little bit elementary and I'm not trying to insult anybody tonight but if you could just sit down on the stool and talk to that rudder and tell it you have no idea but in the stillness of the night the current is going to be saying that way but the captain is going to be saying that way and it is your responsibility sir it is your responsibility to obey the command of the captain and when you do are you hearing me Mr. Rudder when you do you're going to turn this vessel from that way to this way you're going to keep it off the rocks you're going to keep it off of the danger you're going to drive it safely home to shore and can I tell you tonight that if we could have a conversation with this unruly member we could say to you sir you have the ability to lift up it is going to be your responsibility to guide this vessel and to keep it off of the the shore and to keep it off of the rocks it is your responsibility. Amen. The human tongue has got to overcome some contrary forces because we have an old nature within us that loves to make us sin. So we've heard us saying, I had to bite my tongue. Why? Because your tongue would have said something. Amen. I've met a few people who had to put their left foot on their tongue. <laughs> another story, another day. But anyway, <laughs> I'm just teasing. We had to uphold it. Why? Why? Because you've got to stay in control. You've got to guide this vessel. There are circumstances around us that would make us say things that we shouldn't say. Carnality constantly chipping away, seeking to get control of our tongue. So that means both the bit and the rudder must be under the control of something else. Because you can't carry on a conversation with a bit, it has no life. You can't carry on a conversation with a rudder, it has no life. But you can talk to the captain and you can talk to the rider. And so the rudder has to be under the influence of something that is in real control. And the bits have to be under Submission to something that is in real control and that is who's holding the reins and who's holding the wheel. Amen. And so the expert rider is going to keep the power of that horse under control. Likewise, the experienced pilot is going to courageously steer that ship through the storm 
And so when we keep our hearts right and, and allow Jesus to control our lives, we don't have to worry much about saying the wrong thing. Amen. So when we, but when we let our carnal nature rule our hearts, then we're going to fail some, to submit ourselves to the directing of the Holy Spirit. We lose control of our tongues and our words certainly become hurtful things and we have the capacity to even sometimes say the right thing at the wrong time or in a wrong way. I said earlier, Solomon said, death and life are in the power of the tongue and David prayed this in, the, in Psalms 141 and 3. He said, "Set a, listen, what, this is powerful to me. David prayed this prayer, set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth and keep the door of my lips but he goes right now to the heart of the matter incline not my heart with to any evil thing to practice wicked works with men that work iniquity let me not eat of their dainties David knew that the heart is the key to the right speech and Jesus said and you knew it would have to come eventually tonight that out of from the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh there it is I've said things that I really didn't know was in my heart. That's why you've got to watch out. Jeremiah said you can't trust your heart. Amen. And so a runaway horse or a shipwreck could mean injury and most likely death to pedestrians and passengers. And, and so words we speak affect the lives of other people. For instance, every day in the court of law, certainly around the world, but obviously here in America. A judge says, guilty or not guilty. Now because of who is speaking, this doesn't just affect the destiny of the person standing there, but it's also going to affect their family, their friend, the power of words are going to influence a lot of people. A lot of people. The President of the United States of America speaks a few words, signs just a few papers, and a nation is at war. The power of words. Even a, a simple yes or a simple no from the lips of a parent can greatly affect the direction of a child's life. The power of words. I want to ask you to stand. Musicians can just stay where you are if you'd like tonight for the sake of time. I don't think we should ever underestimate the impact of the words that we speak. Brother Rayleigh taught a remarkable lesson Sunday morning. And he talked about, from John 4, the woman that Jesus spoke to at the well. And see, when he influenced her, he didn't just influence her. But she ran to the city and said, you've got to come meet a man. So the influenced became an influencer. When Peter preached at Pentecost, it wasn't just Peter, but 3,000 people were added to the church. So influencers became influencers. And so the tongue is like a bit and a rudder. It has the power to direct. And so it's so important that we direct in the right way, the right way. And so in the three powers of the tongue that's given by James, I'm talking about one of them tonight. It's the power to direct the power to destroy, also the power to lift up. The first one is neutral. It can go either way. The tongue has power to direct. It has the power of persuasion. So with your tongue, you can direct people to the cross You can, or you can drive them away. 
The point is that the tongue is the rudder or the, the bit that controls the bigger picture. This small member of the body sets big things into motion, big things into motion. So in our scriptures this evening, we have seen this pivotal nature of the tongue. It can, it can kind of go either way. You can lift up, you can tear down. And so this insights in closing two questions for us. Will we be like the whited sepulchers that Jesus mentioned, polished and clean on the outside, but full of dead men's bones or death? Or will we be like the believer that Jesus described as having living waters flowing out of them, something that can encourage and refresh? And so the evidence is in our tongue, and the source of this is in our heart. Luke records something interesting in 6 and 45. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. And if I had this clean handkerchief tonight and I had a greasy handkerchief beside it and I rubbed them together, this one will not make the greasy one clean. But the greasy one will make this one dirty. And so I've got to be careful of the power of influence because what I say is going to echo through time. So let's just say that the scientists are wrong and that whatever's been said is not out there bouncing around somewhere. Let me tell you something. That may be wrong. But I can tell you that what we say is echoing in the hearts of people that hear it again and again and again and again. I hold in my heart tonight, just like you, treasures of days gone by. When someone said something to me, to them, Brother Poke, in passing, they were just doing what they do. But it landed in my heart. It became the anchor of my soul. And I've held on to that all these years. Some of them are gone from this life today. Their voice literally has been silenced by death. But in some ways, their voice speaks on. It just rings and rings and rings and rings in my heart. I'm thankful for those who had the power to be a positive influence in my life. And they were cultivating to the good and working and uplifting and and correcting when it should have been, and cultivating, and molding, and manipulating, and, and by that I mean in a positive way, and I'm thankful for that. Life and death. I mean, where you stand tonight, where we stand, I wonder if we could just ask the Lord to help us to be very conscientious, very intentional. I'm praying tonight, God. I'm praying for me. I'm asking you not about anybody else in this house because ultimately on judgment day I'm going to have to answer for me. And so I'm asking you God tonight to stand before you and let the mirror of your word reveal the man that I really am and help me to work on the areas of my life God that so desperately need your spirit of correction and help and guidance. And I pray again that I would never lose the directions to the potter's house that I pray, God, I can climb again there and let your hands mold and, and, and mend and repair those mars and scars and mold me into the person that you desire me to be.
There's not a person in this room, certainly me at the head of the line tonight, God, that doesn't have scars in their past. And I'm asking you today, God, to help us build on those mistakes and not be held hostage by them, but help us to move forward, God. Help us to build on the positive things that you have helped us to accomplish by your grace, by your spirit. Help our hearts to be right with you. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.